As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place, and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey there. Because you're listening to this podcast, we at Blue Wire want you to know this. One, we freaking love you. And two, we want to learn more about you. Help us make more content you'll love by filling out a survey you can find in the description of this podcast. You'll help us out a ton, and you'll have a chance to win a Blue Wire t-shirt, hoodie, or a pair of AirPods. We appreciate you, hope you're staying safe, and want you to enjoy this podcast. Hello, Fangirl Nation. You are listening to Fangirl Sports Network's Get My Job on Blue Wire. I am your host, Tracy Sandler, and this week I'm joined by ESPN host and analyst Anita Marks. From Daily Wager to the Anita Marks Show on ESPN Radio, Anita is immersed in the world of sports. On today's episode, Anita talks about COVID-19 and the impact it has had and will continue to have on sports. She talks about her grandfather's influence on what she's doing today and her time as a quarterback in the Women's Professional League. She also talks about how opportunities for women in sports have changed and grown in recent years. She's incredible, and it was a lot of fun and very inspiring to talk with her. So with that, let's get to it. Anita, thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, thank you for having me. Absolutely. I'm so excited to talk to you. You've done so many incredible things in your life and you're continuing to do so many incredible things that I'm just really excited to dive right in. And I I went back and forth on how I wanted to start, but I've decided to start with you as a seven-year-old working with your grandfather to help him make his football picks because I love that image. And I remember me as a little girl, you know, with my dad and my grandfather, my brothers and everybody in my life just cheering for sports and talking sports. So I would love to start there. How did that begin with you and your grandfather? And how did you realize it was a talent and a skill that you had? 
Yeah. So, um, you know, I'll, I'll start off on a more personal level. Um, so un unfortunately, my parents divorced when I was very young. I was two years old. Also, my grandparents, when I was born, were only 44 years old. So my grandparents, oh, wow. my grandparents were very, very much like parents to me. And so um, I would spend a lot of time with my grandparents and I would spend a lot of weekends with my grandparents. And so on, on Sundays, football Sundays, my grandfather would gamble. He would wager. And when I was around, and, 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 you know, I loved watching football with him, you know, in, in golf, growing up watching football and golf with him on Sundays. And, you know, when I, I turned around seven, eight years old, I, I started, you know, my grandfather would sit in front of the TV and he had this, you, this large, this huge, like yellow legal pad, you know, with, you know, uh -huh. with, you know, a pen and, you know, oh, one here, lost here. So eventually, you know, I'm like, pop up, what are you doing? What is that? What's going on? You know, I'm piqued my interest. What's going on? And we sat down and, you know, he explained to me that he had money on the games and, you know, starting the game, the Dolphins start with three points because they're plus three. And at the end of the game, you add three, like, you know, he, he was, he explained it extremely well to me. And then, you know, as I got older, we started to get, he was explaining how, you know, he needed, he needed to win two or three games in order for that bet to win. Um, and then he taught me, so he taught me about parlays and then he started teaching me about teaser bets and, um, and I got into it and, 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 I got to know exactly what he was doing extremely well. And then it got to the point he said, listen, here, I'm, these, these are my picks. You know, you call my bookie, you put, you put the, the, the picks in. So at like eight years old now, I'm on the phone with his bookie. And, <laughs> uh, and, and now I'm, I'm putting, you know, and, and it was so cute. My, before I made the call, you remember those, remember those green visors that bankers used to wear? Remember like the, yes. the, the visor was like kind of transparent, but it was green. So my grandfather, you know, he made it such a big deal that I was making the call. He would take out, you know, he had one of those green visors for me. He's like, all right, you got to make the call, but you know, we got to put the visor. On. So he'd put that visor on and I'd sit there and <laughs> I would call and I would, I would put in all his NFL picks. And so, you know, I, 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 I miss him tremendously. Um, he was such a great man. And, um, and we had so much fun on Sundays doing that. And, and obviously the state of where we are in professional sport and, and how large gambling is right now. And even, I think mm -hmm. even more so as more and more states uh, start voting for the legalization of gambling. Um, God bless him. God bless him that he got me started early and, uh, and, and, you know, I, I, I have the verbiage, I know the lingo, I understand it. And, uh, I, it, it's just, it's one of those things where, you know, everything happens for a reason. So I, I, I truly believe that I got started early in, in anticipation that now at this, this, this point in time in my career, that mm -hmm. ESPN is launching their gambling site chalk. And of course, daily wager, it's, uh, it's, it's a perfect fit for me. So let's talk a little bit about Daily Wager. So we'll fast forward to today uh, and to when you started that with ESPN. Can you just talk a little bit about how that began and how did it take time for people to really accept that gambling was going to be a big part of sports or were you just able to kind of to jump right in and, and people got on board? You know, it's, it's a great question because, um, you know, I've been in sports talk radio for quite a while. And in fact, I started with Stu Gotts in Miami. 
Stu Gotts and I used to host a, a morning show on a Fox radio station in Miami, Florida. And, you know, we were all gambling then, right? Mm-hmm. But we weren't allowed, we weren't allowed to talk about it, right? You weren't allowed to talk. And if you got, and if you talked about it, if you even mentioned it on radio, you got your hand sla- slapped, you know, oh no, no, that's a no, no. You can't talk about gambling. You can't admit that you're gambling. Obviously, you know, there were some people in the media, bigger names that did and could, okay. But for a long time, um, it was a no-no. And so mm-hmm. it's, it's just, it's, it's, it's so phenomenal that it's, it's come full circle now. Not only do I contribute as a host and an analyst when it comes to NFL and golf for Daily Wager, but I also host my own weekend wager gambling show on radio here in New York on 98.7 ESPN. And so, you know, this past season, is just like somebody pinch me. It's just, it's amazing <laughs> to me where we are right now and how far we've come and, uh, and, and the fact that now it's being embraced and it's, it's, such, it's, such, a, it's such a big part of sport. I, I kind of like, I was around when fantasy football was just starting to take off. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, started, I started playing fantasy football in 1988. I started, I was dating a guy in college and one day he said, um, Hey, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be, you know, I'm, I'm not going to come over tonight. I've got a fantasy football draft. And I said, what's a fantasy football draft? This was back in <laughs> 1988. And he, and so sure enough, you know, I finagled my way into the, into the draft. I ended up drafting his team and I ended up overseeing his team that year. And still there were a lot of people. I mean, that's when like the USA Today was uh was, was that you'd get your stats from the U, the back page of the USA Today that was delivered on Monday. That's when you found out if you won your fantasy football matchup. And and so I feel blessed that I I kind of I saw that the 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 development of fantasy football and and then it go mainstream and how successful that has been. I feel like we're like we're we're on on the precipice of of that again but with gambling. And so I just feel really blessed that um, I'm, I'm on this platform and I'm with ESPN and the boat is about to, to, to leave the dock and I'm on it. And it's just a great, it's just a great feeling. I feel really blessed. So you mentioned obviously the daily wager, you have a radio show. Do you mind just breaking down for our listeners? I really, one of the things we drive home on this podcast a lot is how important it is to have different still skill sets and to seize opportunities. And so I would love if you can kind of just break down each of your shows and the things you do and and what each of them covers. I think it would just be really helpful for our listeners. So it can kind of help them be like, oh, okay. So in my career, these are my skill sets. How can I, you know, move them into a number of different areas? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So, so I I grew up a a big tomboy um, and played a number of sports but I always, uh, I always excelled at football. So I grew up playing Pop Warner, Pee Wee football. And then when I went to college, I represented University of South Florida. That's where I went to school. I represented our, our women's flag football league. We went to the national championship four years in a, in a row, which was held in New Orleans uh, during, uh, during New Year's Eve. Um, during oh, what the an sugar, experience. Sugar, oh, it was f- phenomenal. Incredible. And then the Women's Professional Football League started, and uh, I tried out for the Miami Fury team, and I made it, and I was quarterback. So I played women's professional football for four years, which definitely helped me 
um, get to where I am today because I, I majored in communications, minored in broadcasting and minored in theater. And I never really had aspirations to be in front of the camera or on radio. I, I, I really enjoyed producing um, a lot. I felt, I felt like I felt the, the ability to be more creative as a producer was what really drove me. So I was, I was a TV producer, sports TV producer for 10 years before I got in front of the camera. And the reason I got in, in front of the camera was because I played women's professional football. And the reason I got on radio was because I played women's professional football. Uh, just, uh, just, just yesterday, Jim Kick passed away, um, former running back for the Miami Dolphins. And at that point in time, he was hosting uh, a like late, like uh, mid, early to mid '90s. He was hosting a Monday night pregame radio show leading into Monday night football. And so, as a as a quarterback of the Miami Fury team, Jim had me on his show. And after he interviewed me about the women's team, he said, why don't you, obviously, you know, football, why don't you stick around? Why don't you stick around and, and, you know, write out the show with us? Sure enough, I did. The next day I got a phone call and I got a job offer to um, be a part of a morning show. And that's when I met Stu Gotts, who, mm -hmm. who, um, who we see, you know, every afternoon on ESPN radio and television. So that's how I, I got I got that opportunity, and uh, and then also um, majoring in in uh, as a producer and knowing football, playing football, eventually got me in front of the camera, and uh, and that was all she wrote. So I've worked for a variety of networks, uh, both on radio and on television. Um, and what, what's great about what, what, what I, what I think is great is I look at myself as a utility player because I, I, I can host anything. And at the same time, because of my football knowledge and also my golf knowledge, which I'm really excited, ESPN's now utilizing me as a golf analyst. Mm -hmm. I could put, I could put on that analyst hat. So what's, I think what's really unique and special and, um, what is it's finally being utilized at ESPN because with daily wager, Doug Kazarian is our main host, but when Doug can't host, I fill in, I'm next woman up for Doug. But when Doug is hosting, they utilize me as an NFL and golf analyst. So it's really been fantastic. Uh, the opportunities that I've been giving because I can wear both hats. So, and then here I live in, in the New Jersey, New York area. And uh, I have my own radio show here on 98.7 ESPN radio. Radio is my favorite platform to be quite honest. You've got a three hour show, you produce it, you're on air, it's you, it's the callers, it's the communication, it's, it's, it's the back and forth. Um, I really love, I, I really, really enjoy my radio shows immensely. So um, yeah, I, it's, 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 it's been great that I, I'm utilized on so many platforms in a variety of ways. You spoke earlier about how you feel like gambling is a little bit, um, and correctly, correct me if I say this incorrectly, but uh, that's kind of a funny sentence. Correct me if I say this incorrectly. <laughs> uh, but you, you were saying that you kind of feel like gambling really is on the precipice in the way fantasy football was some time ago. What do you think has changed there? And what excites you about that? Um, what's changed is I, I think commissioners and leagues are finally understanding and accepting that gambling um, 
moves the needle and is what's captivating for a lot of fans when you're, especially if you're talking about two teams that really aren't great, you know, like, mm-hmm. you know, for example, and I'll, I'll use the bills, although I'd really like the bills in the AFC East this year, by the way, I think they win the AFC East this year, but you know, let's, say, let's, let's say two years ago, you know, before Baker Mayfield, let's say the bills were taking on the Cleveland Browns. Who's watching that game? Nobody. I'll tell you who's right. watching that game though. I'll tell you, who, you know who's watching that game. Somebody who has the bills plus three and a half. That's who's watching that game. So, you know, I, I think I, I think what has changed is that the the powers that be that run the leagues understand that the fan base, you're, you will have a larger fan base, you will have a larger viewing audience if you embrace gambling. Because now that you, you know, once you embrace gambling, now every game matters. It's not about, oh, I can't miss... You know, I, I can't miss the, uh, the Saints against the Ravens, right? You're, you're, you're watching that game whether you got money on that game or not, right? Mm-hmm. But, but, you know, are you going to be tuning into? I don't know. I'm just I'm trying to think of a cellar dweller here uh, this, this coming season. Are you tuning into well, Cincinnati, are you tuning yeah. in to Cincinnati no. against the Jets? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> if, if, you're, if you're outside of New York. No, possibly not, unless you've got money on it. And so I, I think that has been the, the biggest. Listen, I love Adam Silver. God bless him. I think he's one of the best commissioners. He was the first to really step up and really embrace it and accept it for the sport of the NBA. Roger Goodell's coming around, obviously. So I really think that's been the biggest difference is sports leagues are now acknowledging, understanding, accepting, and embracing it. And, and more and more states are legalizing it. And God bless. God bless for that. Well, that's true. And, and you make a really good point because now all of a sudden those games that are like, oh, God, who is going to watch that dolphins Bengals game? All of a sudden, yeah, people are going to watch because there's also probably a whole lot of bets in that game that are interesting and that you can have fun with. And now you have to watch that game and it is good for the league because otherwise, who's watching that game? Exactly. Exactly. I think that makes a lot of sense. So I have a question that you may or may not know the answer to. So how is that for an intro to your question? Okay. <laughs> but, and it may be kind of impossible to tell at this point, but I would love to just get a little perspective from you. How do you think gambling and sports changes in the age of COVID-19? Let's assume everything does come back. The basketball season does start July 30th. Football season stays on track. And let's even pretend baseball somehow figures it out. But how do you think betting changes? It's a it's an excellent question. And I just got off the golf course. I played golf today with David Berman, who's uh, one of our executives at Daily Wager. And him and I okay, had this conversation for over an hour today. So I love that you're asking me this because I because, you know, I, I said to David, David is our liaison between ESPN and Las Vegas. So he, he, he speaks with those who run the books quite frequently in Vegas. So he, he has the inside scoop. And I said to David, I said, David, what happens if, um, so, so let me rewind the, the, the savvy betters. Okay. The sharks, the savvy Mm -hmm. betters, you jump on lines on Thursday or Friday. Okay. Because let's say for example, who's okay. Who's your team? Who's your favorite team? Uh, 49ers. Okay, so let's say the 49ers are taking on the Seattle Seahawks and the 49ers are at home. 
Okay. Mm -hmm. So that line might open up 49ers at home minus three. Mm-hmm. Now, by Friday, that line might jump up to, to three and a half, maybe four and a half. You want to get it at three. You don't, you, you know, obviously that's a better, that's, you know, there's more value for you there, right? Like, or, mm-hmm. you know, you can even, if it's a three, then it's nothing for you to buy the half point down. Maybe you get it at two and a half. Well, the best lines you're going to get are on Thursday and Friday. Okay. Now let's, mm-hmm. let's fast forward to Sunday. Like, for example, what happened this past week with Nick Watney in the, in the PGA Tour, right? Like, you didn't find out that Nick Watney, Nick Watney was, uh, was COVID-19 positive and wasn't going to tee up on Friday until Friday morning. So what, mm-hmm. happens, what happens if now you, you have put down your bet on Thursday, you got, you got the 49ers at home minus three against the Seattle Seahawks, and then on 9 a.m., on Sunday morning, you get notified, George Kittle has come down with COVID-19. He's out. He's out for the day. Whoa. God forbid. So, God forbid. so right? <laughs> so, but I'm just like, I'm just saying, like, yeah, for sure. I'm just saying, I, you know, this is a conversation that David and I had today. I said, David, there has to be some type of stipulation. There has to be some type of mm-hmm. out clause that if one of the, this is my suggestion. My suggestion is that if one of the starting 22 players on on either team, so you total forty four players on on either team comes down with COVID nineteen, you have the ability to eighty six that bet without any penalty. Mm-hmm. You know that's 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 what I and you know but then you know the the argument the opposite side was well wait a minute Tom Brady could wake up on Sunday morning with a pulled hammy, you know or or right. George Kittle George Kittle could wake up because him and I have the conversation in regards to Tampa. George Kittle could wake up Sunday morning with a pulled ha- with a pulled hammy. It's the same thing, and I, I don't think so. Not in not in a pandemic world. I don't think so. So it's going to be really really interesting to see how the sports books do handle a number of bets pertaining to players and and players that make the difference in a game. Right, like like your mm-hmm. your clutch players who are making plays to help team. You know, I'm not talking about the backup guy. I'm talking about your starters, like the Jimmy Garoppolo's, like the George Kittles, right? Like the Russell Wilsons, where if they're not active, that bet, that bet is not attractive, right? And so mm-hmm. you, you need, there needs to be an out clause there. And only time will tell. We'll, we'll see what happens. But it's interesting. This is a conversation I had with a guy today on the golf course. Well, and I think you're right. I think it is different in a pandemic world because I was listening to a podcast uh, about this. It may have been an ESPN podcast actually a couple weeks ago in relation to basketball. And the players go back and let's say your star gets COVID and that's the end of the season. And is that any different than if they got injured? Do people and fans look at it differently? I agree with you. I think it is different just because it is a pandemic and the way that it spreads. And it's just it's just a different kind of thing. So I, I totally agree with you. That's an interesting perspective. Thank you for sharing that with us. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's this whole, you know, not to mention, I mean, this whole pandemic COVID-19, the, the whole thing is just obviously has been horrific for all of us, some worse than others. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I also find it fascinating um, in regard to how different areas of our country are, um, are handling it. Um, and I'm, and I think it's going to be just as fascinating to see 
how our wide, wide world of sport, like I personally, I feel the PGA tour failed us this week. You know, mm-hmm. Nick Watney wakes up Friday morning, doesn't feel good. He still goes to the club. Nick Watney gets a test in the morning. He has to wait about three hours for his test results and why he's waiting. He goes to the driving range and he goes, he goes to the putting green to practice, to get ready for his round. Are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. Like I, I, what? Well, the opposite side of the coin there now is, well, what if Nick Watney came back negative? Now you're telling him that he can't, he can't participate in his one or two hour routine to get ready to tee off on Friday. You're going to quarantine him before his round because there's a chance that it could, it, it could be positive. My answer to that is yes. I'm sorry. I think keeping everybody safe to me is more important than Nick Watney getting, you know what, move his tea time back, do something. But yep. he got, te- he got tested. Is, is that unbelievable? He got tested and then was able to go out and practice and get ready for his round, but then was told he's positive. So then he was, he was removed from the tournament. Like, you know, I just, I, I find it, you know, what's the NBA going to do in Orlando if that does happen? How is the NFL going to handle it? I just, this, there's, there's, it, it's, it, it's an onion. And there's so many layers to every league trying to have the best scenario in the safest scenario. But this is the first time everybody's doing it. So we're all learning and nobody has the right answers. Um, just the way that this is going to play out across the board is, is really going to be fascinating. And Nick Watney is kind of a microcosm for the rest of us, because like you said, move back is tea time because the, the risk reward is higher. So how many people did he come in contact with during that time period? Even if it was two people and one of those people got it. And at that point, and that person came in contact with three people. And what, I mean, it's, and it's like, I have this discussion with my friends about, you know, going back to a class, like at the gym. Um, cause I love to work out and I've really gotten used to working out at home and it's been fine. But in terms of going back to a class at the gym and I say to my friends, I'm not concerned about the gym. I think they're doing everything in their power to make sure everything is sanitized and clean and social distance. I'm not concerned about that at all. What I'm concerned about is the person who comes to class who says, I don't feel that good, but I feel like I need to work out today or I need to sweat it out. So I'm going to go. That, that's the person that concerns me. And I think the example you just gave is kind of a microcosm for all of that. So here, here's another one for you, right? Because I had Michael Collins, AKA the caddy covers all things uh, golf for ESPN and does a phenomenal job. I, I, I adore the man. I think he's fantastic. I had him on my radio show on Sunday and him and I got kind of got into a discussion about it. And he said, listen, Nick Watney is a, a really great guy. And I said, I said, Mike, I don't doubt that here, but here's the difference. And tell me if you think I'm wrong. If I'm Nick Watney, and by the way, a uh, little tidbit of information, majority of golfers have something called a whoop band. Have you heard of this? Is that the one that tells you if you have symptoms? Well, what it does, it's a whoop band and typically you use it at night and what you use it when you sleep and it, 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 it gives you like an update on your respiratory, like how your respiratory okay. system is, is, is behaving. Okay. Well, apparently his whoop band notified him that his respiratory system was not a okay on top of the fact that he had COVID-19 symptoms in the morning. If that's me, 
I'm calling the tour and I'm saying, hey, listen, I think I might have this. So can you send somebody to my hotel room to test me? As opposed to me going to the club, even Brooks Kepka, apparently Brooks Kepka did, did an interview um, for, was it NBC? That's, that's who aired it. And Brooks said, I, I was talking to him in the parking lot. So instead of going to the club and possibly infecting other people, I would have stayed in my hotel room and I would have asked the tour, can you please send somebody over here to test me? Because I'm, I'm, I'm worried. I don't want to, I don't want to be around other people. I don't, God forbid I get somebody else sick. I won't be able to live with myself. And here's another thing. A lot of caddies on tour, they're not young whippersnappers. There's some caddies on tour that are in their mid to late fifties. Some of them are in their early sixties, you know? So, Mm -hmm. you know that, so, and again, I'm not, I don't, I don't want to rip Nick Watney. I'm sure he's a fantastic guy. and, And I hear this from a lot of people. I just would have, I just would have done it differently. You know, I, I would not have gone, I would not have gone to the club. So, and that's why I think what's going to be hard is that's where it, it gets difficult with all of it and, and all of the leagues really making sure there are protocols in place because I don't, I have no doubt he's a fantastic guy as well. But he probably figured, yeah, maybe I have symptoms, but I'm sure I don't have it. I don't feel that bad. And so I think it's easy for everybody to have that conversation with themselves, especially when there's so much on the line. And it's not, no one's doing anything with ill intentions, but this is, I think, what's going to be really difficult. I want to talk more about this, but before we do, we're going to take a very quick break to hear from our sponsor. They say a healthy gut means a healthy you. Favor apple cider vinegar shots bottle this feeling into the convenience of a two-ounce shot. Better digestion, stronger immune system, and the lowering of blood sugar levels are just some of the benefits to shooting a daily favor shot. Their proprietary blends are raw and organic and mixed with other functional ingredients to create a better tasting experience. First time shooters can go to drinkafavor.com. All right, so... COVID-19, I think you brought up some really, really good points, Nita, and and I'm glad you did. And I think it opens it up for a lot of discussion. And I also think, unfortunately, with the sports leagues, it's going to be a lot of trial and error. You know, we're going to see what happens. But maybe maybe what did happen this weekend with the PGA Tour will be kind of a, a cautionary tale, for lack of a better term, uh, for the rest of these sports and for athletes to say, oh, this – something feels off. And before I leave my hotel room, I should have this taken care of. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I think, you know, here, here's the thing. And, and again, Michael Collins, you know, the, the back and forth him and I had was, well, Anita, you know, Nick Watney shot a 74 on Thursday. He was, he, he, he was, he could have come out and had a great Friday and made the cut you're talking about a guy who potentially, you know, has an opportunity to make a million dollars and and you're asking him to either stay in his hotel room or stay away from the, from the course and not prepare for his round that potentially, you know, and, and not that Nick Watney is one of the best golfers on tour. He's not, 
but I understand where, where Michael Collins is coming from. He's like, this dude has an opportunity to make a million dollars and you don't know if his test results is going to come back. So what, so he's going to, he's going to sacrifice not trying to make a million dollars because he just doesn't know he's 50, 50 on whether or not this test is going to come back positive or not. So my response is, yes, I, I think this virus is that serious and that contagious that yes, I do. But Obviously, Nick Watney did not feel that way, and Michael Collins doesn't feel that way, and 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 I get it. Like I understand, I understand. It's just money. You know what? You know why? Why is the NBA rushing to to get the league started again? You know why? What the the NHL? Because money, right? Money moves everything. It's all about the money. You know, owners across the leagues. All, all over sport, all the leagues have so much money, like the risk of losing so much money because of the TV deals if they don't get this started or going again. And I understand that. And and obviously money was the driving force as to why, you know, this PGA t- Tour player went to the club, got tested and still went and practiced and was getting ready to go out there and play because he had an opportunity to make a million dollars. Like, like I, I get it. It's just, you know, where where's... Where's your, where are your priorities, you know, and, and how serious, how serious do you look at this, this, this virus? Because here's the thing, like we just heard Ezekiel Elliott, right? Reports where Ezekiel Elliott had it, but he wasn't in the hospital. He wasn't on a respirator. He didn't, he was there was no like huge threat of him losing his life. And we really, we really haven't heard that in regard to a star player. The majority of athletes that are getting it are asymptomatic. So is that another reason why we're, we're kind of a little, you know, players and are, are, are more relaxed? Like our athletes are, you know, some of the most um, in shape human beings on the planet. So right. is there, is there this philosophy? Is there this mindset? Like, Hey, even if I get it, I'm going to be okay. I'm in great shape, you know? And, and, and is that true? Like, you know, is that, is that the way that professional athletes should be approaching COVID-19. There's just, there's, God, I, I mean, you, you and I can do an entire, you and I could probably do an entire podcast on professional sports and COVID-19, I tell you. And, you know, and we probably will be in one way or another over the next several months. We will be, because we are going to see it. It's very much unchartered territory. Um, and we will see, you know, what happens, what the repercussions are. Are they able to contain it? you know, what's going to happen. we obviously over the last several days saw a number of players in a number of different leagues test positive for it. Um, and, you know, I think it'll be very interesting to see what happens. We just don't know. We've never had, at least not in my lifetime, but I don't think we have ever had a situation quite like this um, in the world of sports. And kind of going back to what we said earlier, to me, it is very different than injury. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll see. I have kind of along this line, have a question for you because we're talking about athletes and mindset. You're very athletic. Obviously you played football, you played golf. You, you, I know you've been doing a lot of hiking, uh, during this time. How hard was it for you in the beginning to kind of be stuck inside and not be able to do that? And and how did you navigate that? Um, so, (laughs) so probably in the, in the past year and a half, um, I became a soul cycle fanatic and okay. I was, I was taking at least anywhere between four to five soul cycle classes a week. Sometimes I was doubling up and 
I, I don't want this to become a soul cycle advertising advertisement. <laughs> that's, that's, you know, you could find it at Peloton. You could find it at, at prime cycle, mm-hmm. where, wherever, wherever you spin. Okay. I'm just sharing with you my, my experience. I've, I've, I've always been athletic. Um, I've always taken really care, good care of myself. I eat well. Um, I work out when I golf, I walk, I never ride in a cart. Um, and I always felt that I was in really good shape until I started spinning and Mm -hmm. not that I needed to lose weight, but probably about four months into spinning, I lost 20 pounds. Oh my gosh. And I never looked better. I, I think spin is the magic pill. Um, you know, I'd run, I ran the New York marathon. Like I'd run, I run five, seven miles. Then I'd come home shower and I'd go play golf and I'd walk 18 holes. Right. I'd go to the gym, I'd work out. Like, but my body was never, was never in as good shape, as good of shape as it was when the, the, the last nine, you know, um, uh, the last year and a half that I've been going to spin class. So to answer your question, um, it was hard. I gained 10 pounds. I'm not someone to have a stationary bike in my house. I just, I, I'm not. The class starts and I can't wait for it to end. I'm looking at my watch. Um, my mind is going elsewhere. It's a totally different experience for me. So I could have purchased a Peloton bike. I could have purchased a SoulCycle bike, a Schwinn bike. I could have done that in my house. I didn't because I knew I wouldn't use it. It's not the same for me. So, um, so you're right. I, you know, each week I try to look back on my week. And I try to think of what are the positives that I can take away from us being a pandemic and, and dealing with COVID-19. And one of the big, biggest positives for me is the fact that I have taken up hiking. So mm-hmm. every Sunday I find a new trail somewhere in the New York or New Jersey area. And, and, and I go on these, these hikes and they're any, they're anywhere between 10 to 12 miles. Um, the elevation is unbelievable. I get up to like over 2000 feet. Oh, wow. And, and, um, and it, it's been, it's been amazing. It's just absolutely beautiful. Um, I connect with nature, not something that, you know, I, I've never really did. I'm not, I'm not someone to like, you know, you can't pay me to go camping. Like I'm not a camper. Right. I don't write like, <laughs> like I want, give me a spa. I want, you know, I'll go play golf. We'll go to the spa. I want to stay in a hotel with air conditioning and fine wine. Like, you know, it's, I, I'm not that person just to preface. I'm not that person. So this is kind of out of my comfort zone and not what I'm used to, but I have some of those beautiful trails are here in the New York. And, and here's another thing, the history, like, like yesterday I was hiking and I came across, you know, a, 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 a like a boulder that had a plaque on it and something, something to do with Washington. This is where, this is, this is what one of Washington's posts, you know, during the revolution. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I don't know if you, you've been to New York and you went to see Hamilton, you know, oh, the yes. play Hamilton. So Hamilton was shot and killed about 10 miles from me. Like people don't oh, realize yes. Hamilton was shot and killed on the Jersey side. Um, oh yes. His, Everything's his, legal in New Jersey. It's one his, of those yeah. Right. His, his, <laughs> his gun, his gun battle with bar was, uh, was here on the New Jersey side. So there's a, so, so I'm hiking. There's a lot of history here that I'm uncovering 
and I've really, really enjoyed it. And that's definitely probably one of the biggest positives uh, that I have that I can take away from uh, dealing with this pandemic is my Sunday hikes. They're they're fantastic. That's great. It's, and I think everybody has had to find their thing. And it's it's funny because so for me, I definitely like SoulCycle. I ended up getting a Peloton in January because I travel so much for work. Um, I think most everybody on this podcast knows I'm based in LA, but I cover the 49ers. So I'm traveling all the time. And even in the off season, which there really isn't an off season normally, not during pandemic times, but normally back and forth all the time. And I was like, I want to have a Peloton because it's just when I get off a plane, going to the gym, going to a class isn't always so easy, but jumping on the Peloton in my house. Okay. That I could totally do. And it saved me through the pandemic. So it's just so interesting to me how, you know, we all have our different things and different things that work for us. And then bringing that kind of back to this podcast, because I want to talk a little bit about um, your past and, and getting to where you are. And one of the things we talk about a lot is being on this podcast, especially as being your authentic self and not trying to be anyone else. And I don't mean to do a stretch between Soul Cycle and the Peloton, but it just kind of drives home that point that we all have things that work for us and all have different, you know, ways that we deal with stress. And I just think that kind of goes to that idea of doing what's best for you and oh, being ab- you. Absolutely. And it might be a little bit of a stretch, but I, I felt it. So I wanted to voice it. And that's no, the beauty I, of having a podcast. I get to do that. Ab- no, no. <laughs> I mean, absolutely. Listen, I have a number of friends that, um, that love the Peloton and don't see the difference of, you know, doing a class, a live class at home, as opposed to in a room. I just, I do. It's just, it's different for me. And, you know, and not, to say, not to say that I wouldn't, I wouldn't do the home bike. Um, it's just, it's just not for me. I, I don't, I don't, I'm not focused. I can't wait for the class to end. And, and I, I find that my mind wanders as opposed to being in a live class with a lot of people and energy and music. And I love my instructor and, you know, every, everything that that encompasses. It's an, it's an experience. It's a happening. You know what I mean? It's like, whoa, and you walk out of there and you've got all this energy and you're like, all right, this is how I'm starting my day. This is great. So. And I think that's just so, I just think it's really important for each of us to find that for ourselves. You know, I think it's really an important thing, especially during a pandemic, but just in life to find that for ourselves in our personal lives. And again, also in our professional lives. Uh, And I think that just kind of, you know, I don't know. I just think that that is, Important again, I'm really enjoying the word microcosm today, but I think each of these things kind of are even bigger than what we talk about, if that makes sense. Uh, And so I just think that that's really is important. And we just want to drive that home to everybody, like find, find what works for you in life, whether it be personally or professionally. And it brings me to a question I have for you, Anita. So that was a very long winded way of me to get there, but, um, a question that I ask everybody and I would just be very interested to hear especially because you were, you know, you've done so many different things in your career, which is incredible. What is a criticism you received early on that while tough to take, it's kind of a two-parter, it shaped your future in a positive way. And then also what is a criticism you received where you said, I take the criticism, I understand what you're saying, but this is who I am and I'm going to just keep going. Great question. Um, you know, you know what I, I, I get a lot, um, is even from my mom is, you know, why aren't you on the sideline? Why aren't you doing the sideline reporting? 
and with all due res respect to, to Lisa and, um, and a number of sideline reporters and who do a phenomenal job, it's not what I want to do. Mm -hmm. You know, I want to be in studio. I want to host. I feel that I know a lot about football. I feel that I know more about football than most men know about football. Just because I'm a female and, and I, 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 you know, I, I have had the, you know, the, I have the ability and, and I was blessed that I had the opportunity to play women's professional football, which helped me immensely um, in regard to relating and, and understanding what happens in the course of a game or, you know, when it's fourth and 12 and whatever. But I feel that for the longest time, um, women were allowed to play in this arena, but we were told what position we had to play. Mm -hmm. And, and that probably was, uh, and has been the, the, the biggest struggle and disappointment for me, you know, like, you know, why, you know, why has it, why has it taken us so long to have a female do NFL play-by-play -play or college football play-by-play? or NBA play-by-play, -play. Or, or, or as a color commentator. Like, why did it take us so long? Um, and so early on when I started my career, you know, it was, oh, no way can a, a, a female um, host sports talk radio by herself. Okay, well, I proved them wrong. I've been hosting sports talk radio by myself now since for, wow. Um, I, like I said, I started as a three-part team with Stu Gotts on a Fox station um, in, uh, what, 92. And then I started hosting my own sports talk radio show in 95. And here I am mm -hmm. on, in New York, the number one, the number one, you know, city in the world when it comes to uh, broadcasting. So I was able to, to jump that hurdle and do well. And now like I said, you know, when we started earlier on in the podcast, I just, I feel so blessed that A, I have the platform of ESPN. ESPN has embraced gambling. Again, I think for a, a big reason is because a lot of commissioners and, and leagues now have embraced gambling and, and they're allowing me to wear a number of hats and it's in studio hosting when Doug Kazarian is off and, and they're utilizing me as an analyst when it comes to the NFL, I mean, let's be honest. I don't. There's not very many female NFL analysts in our in in our business, and it's not to say that that there aren't women out there that are really qualified. You know, like one thing I love about Mina Kimes, like um, the mm -hmm. platform that ESPN has given for Mina Kimes has been sensational. Um, she does her homework. You know, I I I, yeah. I see I watch Mina Kimes. I listen to her podcast. She writes about the NFL. She knows her stuff. So, mm -hmm. um, so I just, so to answer your question, the biggest obstacle in my career has been, Hey, we want you to come play our game, but here are the, here are the few positions you're allowed to play. Now what I'm seeing is, all right, come play the game and you want to play quarterback. You can, you want to be a running back. You can now, not only are we invited to play in the game, but now there, we can play whatever position we want, given that the network gives us the opportunity to do so. You know, it's not, it's not looked as though um, it's more about talent and ability and knowledge and not just because I'm a female and a female can never host. 
a show or be an analyst for football. Like we're, we're way beyond that. And thank God we are, right? Thank God we are. Even, I mean, I started doing this not that long ago. Um, I started fangirl just covering the Niners in 2015. So this is, you know, it's been five years and I've seen it change even from that. You know, when I would uh, be a, a guest on something and people would leave comments about the girl, the girl said this, the girl said that. And I feel like we're, I'm hoping, but I, we, I do feel like even that's changing uh, in a way and that, you know, people are, it's the analyst. It's not the girl, the guest, the analyst, Tracy, Anita, Mina, not that girl with the blonde hair, you know, the girl with the brown hair, whatever people say. And I think we are making progress there. And I think a lot of that is because of like what you said with ESPN, they've given you a tremendous platform and you're able to pick the position you want to play. I'm glad you brought up Mina Kime. She was a guest on this pod, big fan of hers. She knows her stuff. And also that brings back to a point that we like to talk about a lot on this podcast, preparation, preparation, preparation. You can never be overprepared. And one thing that probably won't change for a long time as women is we need to be even more prepared. Yeah, absolutely. And, and here's, you know, and here's another thing and it, it is what it is, right? Like, um, and it's, it's interesting because, you know, obviously I'm following, uh, you know, Black Lives Matter and, and, and that movement and, and what's going on. And mm-hmm. a lot of times, you know, I'm, I'm hearing a lot of interviews and some of the stuff that, that, that African-Americans have been faced with and, and the hurdles that they've had to go through and is, some things are very similar to what women have to go through, right? Like, you know, as an African-American and as a woman, you know, you don't, you don't, you don't have the, you don't have the opportunity to be wrong quite often, right? Like you, like you, you are held to a certain, you are held to a, a different set of standards. God forbid I mispronounce TJ Hushmanzada. I'm yep. not, I'm not Chris Berman who maybe had one too many last night. <laughs> wink, wink. I'm that girl who doesn't know. And I'm that girl who doesn't know anything about football. The girl. Right? Yep. That's right? I'm that girl who doesn't, she doesn't even, she doesn't even know how to pronounce his name properly. Get her off the air. But meanwhile, mm-hmm. some, some dude could mispronounce a few names and you know, well, he's having a bad day. He's just having right. a bad day you know, for, for us women, it's, oh, she doesn't even, she doesn't, she doesn't even know how to pronounce his name. Get her off. She's got to go. And, um, so yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's so you, you talk about over-preparing. Oh, yeah, tell me about it. You know, I, I, again, I, I host a three hour radio show on Saturday and Sundays. I can't even begin to tell you the amount of material I don't even get to. I don't mm-hmm. even touch. I over, I over prepare for everything. Less is more. I get it. But at the same time, you can never prepare enough, especially as a female in this business to make sure that you always have your T's crossed and your I's dotted. And, but this is something that I've just accepted. Like, you know, this is the sport, you know, this is the, this is the, the career that I chose. This is the arena that I'm in. And, and this is just how it is. And that's fine. You know, I, I have to play to a di- different set of, of rules and standards because I'm a female, but I chose this eyes wide open and it is what it is. So I'll roll with it. I'll just over prepare. It's fine. 
It's fine. I mean, in the beginning when I would first start doing this and I would guess, I'd go on these shows and it would be like me and three guys and they would all have their computers out and they'd be talking about something. They're like, let me look it up. And I would have a piece of paper with a few notes scribbled down, usually just a stat because I wanted to make sure I had the number precisely right. Mm -hmm. And people would say, oh, it's so funny. These guys have their computers and you have like one piece of paper that you rarely look at. I'm like, well, I have to. Because if I'm up there with a computer, then the the response is she doesn't know what she's talking about. She had to look it up. And that's just, you know, hopefully that will continue to change. I think it's gotten a lot better, but hopefully that will continue to change. Um, but the best we can do is be prepared and know our stuff. And that's really what, you know, it changes everything. But I, that's interesting what you said about the three-hour show and the amount of material you don't get to. Because I agree, less is more in a lot of ways, but not when it comes to being prepared. Yeah. For a job interview, for an appearance, for whatever it may be, for your show, preparation, preparation, preparation. And I, I harp on it because one of the things with this podcast is I know we have a lot of listeners and women who want to work in sports. And so I always try to throw out those tidbits that are, you know, important for that. And that is certainly one of them. Yeah. Um, I, I can't, I can't stress it. I can't stress it enough. You know, it, it also, I will say this, um, you know, I've, I've spoken to a number, number of women who, you know, are, they're, when, when I tell them what I do, how do you do sports talk radio? You're on there, you're on there by yourself. What if a caller calls in and asks you a question and you don't have the answer to it? Especially here in New York City. Let me tell you something. Um, New York, and I know your LA sports fans are, are, are very savvy and very wise as well, I'm sure. I don't think there's I don't think there's a smarter, a more intelligent group of sports fan than up here in the Northeast. Like, and you That's you fair. you can't BS them. You can't. Mm-hmm. So I always tell people there's nothing wrong with saying, you know what, I don't know, but this is what I'm going to do in the break. I, I'm I'm going to do some research in the break, and let me get back to you on it. Like I I never I never BS anyone. I I don't fake it. Um. And, and it's okay. It's okay to say, I don't know. You know, you can't say it often, but it's, but, but it's okay to say, you know what? I don't know. And so to me, I know, I know sports talk radio, you're on, you know, it's kind of like, it's, I, I call it a magic carpet ride. The show, starts <laughs> at no, the, the show starts at noon. I've got all this stuff planned out, but I might hit on a certain topic and pew, I mean that topic. And then that topic's flying for a good hour, hour and a half. Um, and then a lot of times a caller will call in and, and ask a question I don't have the answer to. And, you know, it's, 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 it's okay sometimes to say, you know, I don't know, I don't have an answer to that, but I'm going to do some research and I promise I'll, I'll, I'll have a response sometime soon. You know, so I just rather do that than pretend and then say something where you really don't know and then you really look bad. So... You know what? I agree with that. I'm really glad you said that because I think we do live in this world, obviously, of the 24-hour news cycle and instant gratification and Twitter and all social media. And there's so much information flying, but it is so much better to say, I don't know, than to just make it up or to just guess and be so terribly wrong because that's just so much worse because nobody can know everything. That's just life. <laughs> and so I, I don't think there's anything wrong in saying, you know what, I'm not sure, but let me find out and get back to you. Um, you and I talked before this podcast, I think a little that I'd lived in DC and I 
I worked for um, the former mayor, the former mayor there, and I started in his press office. And he used to always say, "If I ask you a question, you don't know the answer. Just tell me you don't know the answer. Don't say what you think it is, and then I go up in a press conference and say something wrong." And it's one of those things that you think is total common sense advice, but you'd be surprised at how many people don't subscribe to that theory. Uh, And so I'm just really glad that you said that because it's okay not to know. That doesn't mean, that doesn't mean you didn't prepare. It just means you don't know everything and that is okay. Yeah, exactly. Um, Before we get to five fun facts, which is always my favorite part because it's fun. (laughs) Um, And you, you've touched on this. uh, So I, but I'd like to just, Send you. The first part of my question was, how have you seen opportunities change and grow for women in sports, which you've certainly covered. And if, if you'd like to cover further, please feel free to do so. But then the second part of that is, how can we still improve? And I'd love to get your thoughts on that. Wow. How can we still improve? Um, you know, our business is so subjective, right? It's kind of like, I, I try to, you know, I, I try to explain to, you know, I have a friend who says, well, you know, why is she on all the time? Why, why aren't you on more? You know more. And I try to, I try to explain to my friends, our business a lot of times is like, you know, when your friend says, oh my God, I met this amazing guy and he's so gorgeous. I can't wait for you to meet him. And then you go out, you're at a bar, he meets you guys for a drink and you meet him and you're like, uh, uh, really? You think this guy's like, okay, better example. I have a huge crush on Ricky Fowler. I for I don't don't ask me. For some reason, I love me some Ricky Fowler. I uh, and when he's playing in a tournament and he's in it to win it on Sunday, I'm wearing orange. I have a scooter. My scooter's orange. I call it my Ricky Fowler scooter. I love my friends think I'm crazy, right? They're like, Anita, he's got a unibrow and he weighs like a hundred pounds soaking wet. What are you thinking? I'm like, I don't, I'm like, I don't know. I just love Ricky Fowler. So that's my example in regard to our business. Executive, mm-hmm. Executives have so much say. And, and in our business, we call them our rabbis, right? Like, who's your, like, like, who's your rabbi? What, what, what network executive is your rabbi who hopefully loves you and is going to give you as much opportunity as possible to continue to be employed, right? Well, Mm-hmm. You know, our business is subject, like one executive might love me and the other one might not, um, you know, m- might not like the way my hair looks, might not like the fact that I talk with my hands a lot, might not like my inflection, might not like my, my wardrobe or my makeup or, you know, a, a list, a, you know, a list of reasons. So, you know, that, that I just, I hope, and, and here, this is another thing that I love about ESPN is ESPN really has created a phenomenal platform for women in our business and some really great ones, you know? And so I love being associated. I love working for a company that does that. Um, I just, I, I hope there'll be more executives out there that will give more women more opportunity for a variety of jobs and not just, you know, hosting like, okay. So for example, like, you know, I watch, um, you know, I'm good, good friends with Molly Quirm who, um, with, uh, Stephen A. Smith's show. Like okay. 
I've been watching this show for a while now and I've been watching Molly and like, she's like, I'd say in the past year, two years, like she's, she's having a bigger voice, you know, like when they're debating a topic, I sometimes I'm sitting back going, Molly, get in there, get in there. You know what I mean? And, and, and Mm -hmm. finally she does, you know, like, I love that. I, 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 you know, because we're seeing a lot of these entertainment sports shows where you have two guys that are going at it on debate shows, right? Typically, you know, right? Isn't that the formula? Two guys yeah. debating, and then we've got the one girl who's kind of, you know, the the referee. She's bringing you in and out of break. You know, she's, all right, guys, time to move to a different topic. Time's up. No, I want her to have an opinion. I want, she's part of the show. She should chime in. You've got two dudes. Mix it up a little bit. So, you know, I, I just... I just, I I hope that, I hope that we continue to expand the opportunities and the multitude of hats that I, that I think a lot of women could wear in this, in this business and, and not be that stereotypical, you know, well, you're a female, you have to be a nurse. You can't be a doctor. You can't be an anesthesiologist. So I, I just, I, 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 I like where we're going. I, I love the opportunities that ESPN has offered a number of us women at the network. God bless. And I just hope more networks and more shows do the same and broaden the spectrum of all the variety of hats that a lot of women could wear in this business. Very well said. Very, very well said. Thank you. I knew I knew that was a good question to ask you. <laughs> I knew you were no good answer. I really, that was really well said. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, well, I've had a lot of fun talking to you today, but before I let you go, we of course have to do five fun facts. So every week we ask everybody the same five. And uh, as I say every week, it's been really cool because it might be the same five questions, but we get five very different answers every time. Uh, so if you are ready, I'm just going to rattle them off for you. I'm ready. All right. What's your favorite moment in sports? Oh, wow. Favorite moment in sports. Um, personally or as a fan watching? It could be either one. All right. I'm going to give you both. I'm, I'll okay, give you both. I'll make them. I'll make them. I'll make them really quick. Probably my favorite moment was Brett Favre playing on the night that his father passed away, and he came out, and he was he was he, he was otherworldly, and to play mm-hmm. with such a heavy heart and such a sad heart, and to play the caliber of football that he played, knowing that he was playing for his dad, I'll never forget that night, and I I I, I like I I cried the I cried throughout that game. Um, because it was just, it was so spectacular to me. Um, and I, I wasn't even, I'm not even, I'm not a big Green Bay Packers fan. I'm not a big Brett Favre fan either. I just, um, the way the sequence of events and, and all, how that all unfolded and to see Brett Favre put on a performance like that to me was one for the ages. I'll never forget it. And personally, um, when I moved to New York, I worked for the New York football giants. I was part of their broadcast team and I was okay. blessed to be a part of the broadcast team. I did the pre and post game shows um, that aired on the fan here in New York. And I was blessed that I was working for the Giants when they won the Super Bowl. They beat the Patriots in Indianapolis. And we came back and I got to be on one of the floats 
for the Canyon of Champions. And I was able to be on the float with the defensive linemen, Matthias Kiwanuka, Tuck, those guys, Justin mm-hmm. Tuck. And to go to be on that float and to see all the sports fans in New York City come out and line the streets of downtown New York and to ch- and, and, and I could I could not stop. It wasn't even obviously it wasn't for me. I didn't win the Super Bowl, but I was so it was such an emotional day. It was so I just I feel it's probably one of the best professional sports days of my career was being on that float through the streets of New York with all the Giants fans out there cheering for the Giants because they won the Super Bowl. It was it was I'll never forget it. I'll never forget it. That's an incredible experience. That's, yeah. that's really, really cool. Really cool. Uh, what is your life motto? My life motto? Um, wow. Um, well, tell me yours. Ooh, that's a very, very good question. Um, <laughs> I've never had anyone do that. that. Like throw it back to you. Give me me an idea. Like what's, what's your life? I would say mine would be if I'm just like going, you know, like let's say we're doing five fun facts with me. Mine would be work hot, work hard, be kind, be fair. There you go. There would be. Um, There would be, you know, I probably could come up with something slightly, but I think that's an example would be some people do, some people have done like, just do it. Some people have been like, you know, be your authentic self, but I would say mine really would be work hard, be kind, be fair. Here's one. I talk, I talk to a lot of students. Um, I'm asked to speak at a lot of colleges and um, I always tell them, enjoy what you do. Enjoy what mm-hmm. you do. Um, you, you will probably in life, you will probably spend 75% of your time working. So if it's the majority of your life that you are working, make sure that you enjoy what you do. Don't settle. Don't settle for a job or a career that doesn't move you. And like, you know, I I work, I work really hard at what I do, but I love it so much that it doesn't feel like work to me. And Mm -hmm. I think that's, I think that's special. And I think when you achieve that, it's magical. So I guess my motto would be enjoy what you do. That's a good one. That is a good, that's a good motto. The next one we have is go to workout, even though I think I know the answer to it, but, but nonetheless. Yeah, man. So here, so here's my dilemma, right? Like I'm not, I'm not going, I am not going into a restaurant. I am not going into a spin class without a vaccine. Now, mm-hmm. now very interesting. There, there is a, there is a spin, um, there's a spin studio that is, that is hosting spin classes outside on a foot on a, on a local football field here in Hoboken. Now interesting. I'm doing those. I'm, I'm going, I'm going, I'm doing, I'm going to that like twice a week. It's not the same. It's not the same experience as I got it at soul cycle but I'm still spinning, but, um, yeah, I just, you know, I, I just, I pray to God, not just for, not just for my, my spinning experience to come back, but I just pray to God for all of us that, 
somebody somewhere finds a vaccine by the end of the year and, um, and you know, we can go back to some type of normalcy as, as soon as possible. That would be fantastic. I think we are all, I think we're all on board with you on that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, do, do you have a go-to coffee order or tea order? Oh, absolutely. Are you kidding? So um, Starbucks, mm-hmm. and, um, I get every morning. And in fact, like, like Uber Eats, they know like 6 a.m. I set my alarm. 6 a.m. I'm on Uber Eats, grande, iced latte, extra shot, three pumps of vanilla with soy. Boom. And, that- I, and I, tell pe- I tell people all the time, listen, you remember that Snickers commercial? You're just not yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, where somebody is like really surly and then they take a, a bite of the Snickers bar and, and then, and then they, they're, then they're, that's kind of me with my coffee. Like I, I am not, I am not myself until I have like that first sip of coffee in the morning. I am not myself. So that's I completely agree with that. I really and do. What are you, really are you, and it's funny because like you're either, there's no middle of the line. Like you're either a Dunkin' Donuts coffee drinker or you're a Starbucks, you know, coffee drinker. What do you like? What, what, which, where's so your, I have, I have a Nespresso and Ooh. I'm obsessed with it. And so my ritual in the morning is I do my Nespresso Lungo because you get the, the bigger pour with that. Uh, and then I throw in two scoops of vital proteins, collagen, um, powder and half and half. And then my day can begin until that happens. My day cannot begin. I mean, I would be late to my trainer or to work out because I had to have the coffee. Like, it's not like, Oh, well I better leave now. No, no. I need that coffee (laughs) before I can go anywhere. So that is, that is my thing. Uh, if I'm having like, I need a little afternoon and I want to like walk somewhere. Um, there's a place not that far from me called Alfred, which I'll walk to get an iced almond milk latte, but my Nespresso with my collagen and half and half, that is my jam. Nice. Love it. I, sometimes like when I go to bed, I like get excited to wake up so I can make my coffee. (laughs) That's the situation. Have you heard about, have you heard about Phil Mickelson's coffee that he's going to start selling? So, so Phil Mickelson, he's in the best shape of his life. And um, he claims uh, that a big part of that is because of this coffee that he drinks in the morning. And it's like, it's coffee beans from Nigeria. Um, oh. It's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a protein collagen protein powder. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a number, it's a concoction and okay. he swear, and he swears by it and he's going to start selling it by the way. So you should. You should you should Google. You should look into it. He he oh, apparently oh, it's, it's it's this magnificent oh, this magnificent cup of coffee that not only tastes great but uh, will help you get into the best shape of your life. <laughs> you know what? Sold sold to the fangirl <laughs> who spends a lot of time in the bay. Absolutely sold. I will be getting that coffee. I mean, I'm also a sucker for great advertising. Or anything, so you, he should actually have you on board here because sold. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be googling and ordering. I'm gonna probably be on, like on the pre-order list by the end of the day. Um, and then our last but not least, and this is kind of maybe my favorite, a book every woman should read. Oh, wow! How many people have said lean in? A few people have said lean in. Not as many. 
think, but a, but a few people have. But that's that's okay. If that's the book, then that's the book. Uh, it's know, a great you know, book. So, you know what book you know? I, I really I, I really really thoroughly enjoyed was Many Lives, Many Masters. Have you oh, have you read that one I yet? Not. So. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a book. Um, it's a psychologist who works uh, down at University of Miami in Miami. And he had um, a patient of his come in because she had anxiety to fly. And okay. so in order to cure her anxiety, he uses hypnotism. And in hypnotizing mm-hmm. her, he started to uncover all these past, past lives and that she's had and she's experienced and he took notes and then he would go back and he would research and he would find out that you know these individuals existed and the lives that she was talking about and the details that she would talk about while she was under hypnosis were true and so it's a it's 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 a book about reincarnation and how you are reincarnated and you come back you know you come back to life and you live all these lives and how souls travel together and uh, not to make this a religious thing, that's not what I'm trying to do. But what I find interesting is, you, you know, when you meet somebody and you say, God, I, I just I feel like I've known you for a year. Like there's you, you, you have this immediate connection with somebody. You meet them mm-hmm. and you're just like, there's something about this person. Like I'm a people person, right? Like there's something about this mm-hmm. person. I feel that I have this connection to this person. Well, the, 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 the idea and the concept and that he uncovered in the book is that souls travel together. So mm. your mom in this life very well could have, been, could have been your husband in a previous life, maybe two lives ago, and that souls travel together. And um, that's the, one of the biggest things that I took away from the book and I find interesting because I feel that there are people that I, I come in contact with in life that I just, I gel and I connect and I have these phenomenal relationships with. And sometimes I wonder you know, did we know each other in a past life? Oh, I love that. I absolutely love that. All right. Well, I'm going to be checking that out. So I will be reading that while I drink Phil Mickelson's coffee there in the go. best shape of my So <laughs> I'm very, very excited. You're going to see a picture of me on my Peloton drinking coffee, reading that book and in the best shape of my life. And I, I love it. it. I love Thank it. you. That's awesome. Thank you very much. Um, Anita, this was really fantastic. Thank you so much for joining me today. This was just great. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Uh, And if you guys like what you heard, which I know you did, please remember to leave us a review on iTunes and don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Fangirl Sports Network. Talk to everybody next week. Bye y'all. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. 
I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.